And a lot of that inflammation is the background noise that really is driving insulin resistance. Interesting. Yeah. And so when, when you do see in these diabetics, when, when it, in, in, in um, exogenous insulin is deployed like Lantus, there's a, a decrease in inflammation as well. I had seen uh, over on your channel, which guys, by the way, if you haven't checked out John Jewett's channel, he's putting out a ton of great information. I mean, not to mention the J3 University stuff. So we'll have links if you guys want to check that stuff out. And Andrew had watched it today uh, about Lantus. Lantus yeah. is something I have not personally used. Uh, so I'd love to hear more about it from you and your thoughts about it. And, and, and I guess the first question I would have is, is what would be the advantage in what would be the situation somebody would want to use Lantus over something faster acting like a, like a Humalog, for instance? Yeah. So, you know, with Lantus being a basal insulin. So when we say a basal insulin, this would be your insulin production. That's going to be always happening in your body, just at a, a resting state. So you're even like here without food, if fasted, you have some level of insulin that's present. Same with glucagon, the opposer of insulin. There's always some level present. So we're talking about a basal insulin. We're talking about this basal level that would be replacing the amount that you're producing at rest. And so when we see like the first line treatments in diabetics, not type one, but type two diabetics, uh, it's, it's Lantus is one that has been deployed or not just Lantus. They moved to some other forms, but just a, a basal insulin. And what you see when they do deploy them in diabetics is there's actually improvements in insulin sensitivity. So it's not just hmm. an insulin replacement one for one. There's actually is an improvement. Um, there's actually improvement in, um, preventing beta cell decline. So your beta cells are the cells in the pancreas that produce insulin. This is preserves the function of those cells. Now we have to say like, well, is that even reflective of what you'd occur in, in bodybuilding? And I would say we're definitely pushing food volumes to levels that would be beyond what a normal person would be experiencing. And with high amounts of insulin needs throughout the entire day for full meal coverage and Arguably, it probably would be stressing more beta cell function. And so I look at a basal insulin as a prophylactic means, so a, a, a preventative strategy to keep insulin production efficient and prevent pancreatic beta cell decline. You just say, like, who, who would this really be applicable to? And it would have to be a, a bodybuilder that's actually pushing food volumes to levels that would would need it and also using growth hormone, which would also put further, um, you know, stresses for more insulin present. And part of what we see within that state of high food, high gear, high body weight is increase in inflammation. And a lot of that inflammation is the background noise that really is driving insulin resistance. Interesting. Yeah. And so when, when you do see in these diabetics, when, when it, and in, 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 um, exogenous insulin is deployed like Lantus, there's a, a decrease in inflammation as well. Hmm. So it, it's kind of, it works in a few prongs that we're using insulin as just a prophylactic means to offset the amount of um, endocrine insulin that you're having to produce. We're not talking full replacement amount, but uh, say normal someone would produce maybe about 50 units of insulin per day. I say a basal of like 
10 I use as kind of a starting point. And I don't take it beyond 20 for, for any of my guys. We're not using it for uh, to drive insulin like some of the other protocols that you see. It's, it's purely this prophylactic means. Um, so we're replacing this, this basal amount throughout the entire day. Some people have argued that with Lantus, it has a little bit higher affinity for the IGF-1 receptor. Hmm. Um, but if you actually looked at the amount that it, it binds versus IGF-1, it's, it's not that vast. So on an insulin per insulin measure, like what you produce versus what you're taking, uh, there's it still has the same actions. And I think that's getting a lot of people confusion that you, you play insulin and all of a sudden you're like super anabolic, right? It's, it's really more so you're just trying to keep the body efficient with replacing some of the insulin you would be producing or maybe you're having a hard time producing now. But there's not I don't see it as being a further necessarily advantage for anabolism, but I'm more so to keep all the machinery efficient so you can keep using higher food and gear and progressing through this off-season phase that you're doing. Hmm. Do you like to um, have your athletes use it in the morning or nighttime? So it does have a, like a 24 hour action period. So timing doesn't quite matter as much with, with Lantus. I, I usually just do the morning out of a, an efficiency standpoint um, in remembering. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's usually, yeah. When I, when I time it, but with, with Lantus, there's no peaks and troughs. And so it's very stable. So your, your risks of hypoglycemia are ex- extremely low. There's been individuals that have tried to commit suicide with Lantus with like yeah. injecting a whole pin, like 300 units, and, and they don't. They don't okay. die. Wow. Um, Remember I told you guys about which, that uh, uh, like a year ago on the podcast? Mm-hmm. A guy tried 300 units, got to the hospital, was completely fine. Then the next week he tried to kill himself, I think, with two pens, two full mm-hmm. pens, 600 units, was still completely revived. They just put a little glucose strip in, and he was no, no problem. No kidding. Like, Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, so it, it's uh, I know people get scared with with insulin, but the the amount that I suggest using is relatively low off some of the other protocols. Now, you you brought up Scott using like a fast acting. Yeah, uh, I think of it the same way as once you're getting meal volumes large around meals, that might be a time when we might could deploy starting point three three I use some point around training. And with like, say like Humalog, you know, you have like a, a three to five hour action time too. So if you took it pre, you'd have some coverage like during and into the post-workout window. Sure. So when you have like higher, higher food amounts and that's about as far up as I, I have gone with insulin. And I've used myself like the, the high protocols before too, but I just find like this is a tool we're using just to keep everything efficient and also manage blood sugar when times when we probably be really challenging it and driving more insulin resistance. So I also have my all my guys, like especially if you're using growth hormone, monitoring fasting blood glucose, at least, at least once a week, just to see trends and kind of gives a slight indication of if we're seeing it escalate and then might also might mean you're getting more insulin resistance or more inflammation present that we can address it in some way. So it's, you know, in, in, that's a tough thing too is because if you once you see blood sugar increasing, um, you likely already have high serum insulin levels in the background trying to control it. But now you're you have insulin coming up; it's still managing normal blood glucose. 
but now blood glucose is starting to increase. So likely you want to be deploying insulin prior to even you seeing like blood sugar escalating. So when what I deploy is usually when we're first moving someone that already, I know has a high food need into like a push-up phase where they're going to have you know, high food, high growth hormone, everything. Cool. You do the um, the HOMA IR uh, calculations, like when athletes get their blood work done and test their insulin as like an indicator for insulin resistance and, and like utilizing strategies with, say, Lantus or even Humalog to address this? Yeah, yeah, I, I do test them. I think it's important to test serum serum insulin and then also usually do uh, CRP just for yeah. systemic inflammation and look at um and i'm i'm one to also use metformin throughout the year too uh just a l- lower dose as something to help with managing like glu- glucose output from the liver and trying to maintain some level of insulin sensitivity just to prolong this phase of of off season right on do you guys have anything you wanted to add to that? If not, I had uh, I had one more I could throw up. Um, we could talk about insulin all day. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? <move> on. <laughs> all right, this is one. I like insulin. Yeah, this is one that. Uh, let's see, which one is this? We'll go. Let's just go with this one. This is one that Andrew had grabbed from uh, Instagram, which was uh, how his uh, how John has changed his views over the years and uh, what he is doing currently. So I'm not sure what he specifically means about your views on what, but we'll say, you know, just on bodybuilding, uh, you know, with your perspective as a coach and and an athlete, what what would be, you know, maybe we could even uh, narrow it down. Something that that you have maybe recognized in in, in more recent times that maybe you you didn't follow in the past. Yeah, I mean, just coming from my background, like in powerlifting and moving into D.C. training and. I was just, I was going to outwork everyone. (laughs) That was the idea. So I think, like I mentioned in my prep, to understand times when I needed to pull back, I didn't have that then. So I think what I've learned the most is actually trying to manage my training effort. Hmm. Effort as far as like physical exertion. Um, Not not talking about intensity of load on the bar, but just how hard I actually train because I would – pretty much take every set to a point of of somewhat close to failure and that drove me into the ground pretty quickly especially in contest prep you're like oh you you train the same from off season into prep and don't get me wrong i'm, I'm all about high effort but it, it led me to places chasing the wrong thing hmm. that would limit progress to where i had preps where it was just grinding just miserable and and I could have done it in an improved way with like just actually, hey, I don't need to take every set to failure. <laughs> like you can have some compound sets that have dialed back some. And then I would be stubborn with even exercise selection and emotionally married to movements huh. that would bury me like like rack pulls or deadlifts. Like I love these. Yeah, and they're I'm just going to say that probably not the best hypertrophy stimulus for like, say, your back training. Right. Hmm. My back wasn't that great. And. It, but it, the, the, I loved those exercises. Felt like I was working hard, like I was outworking someone, and so I had to mature and just emotionally disconnect from doing the things that 
felt like I was upholding like the purity of bodybuilding and <laughs> moved to movements that, that were right for me for the, what I needed development wise. So I think that, that aspect in a prep was huge. Um, and then also learning the way how to manage output in, in prep. And I, I mentioned that earlier, like I actually had never really tracked like my step count, which was a, a proxy for me for energy output. Cause obviously you can, you, you could have output and not move and take steps. But for me, like in prep, I, like I said, I would, I would just keep lowering my amount of movement. And so this was a way that I could just keep walking outside, like throughout the day, I would just to walk after meals. And it was so easy to get more you know, energy expenditure out versus how I used to do it, where it was like, going to war on the stairmaster and you know you grab your handles and you would look up at the screen and you're like let's do this you know and like um I close my eyes the whole time and gripping a towel and it was just like miserable miserable preps and i still wasn't in the best shape that i've been in in these past preps i i never did the stairmaster i did some treadmill walking but the most part after that was just walking outside uh, which sounds very easy and it goes against my, my previous, like, you know, purity of bodybuilding approach. Um, but that led to like better outcomes and a much more mm-hmm. enjoyable prep. And I could listen to guys like you on podcasts while I just walk around, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not need like blaring, like metal to just get through my Stairmaster section. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Can I ask a question about that real quick, John. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, um, so yeah, uh, you're obviously online coach now, YouTuber, doing all sorts of cool stuff. Did you have like a regular day job or like a nine to five, you know, in the years past, maybe before you turned pro that maybe kept you more active? Um, somewhat like some, when I started, I was in grad school. And okay. so I studying a lot, sitting a lot. Um, I, I worked at GNC for a little bit during that time too. Then my first three years, uh, I was a clinical dietitian, so I worked in the hospital. So I did have to walk around a lot and see patients. But then at the same time, we spent a lot of time seated and, and charting. Okay. So I think initially when I first moved to online coaching, I absolutely dropped my activity yeah. down. And, and like you had mentioned earlier, like, John, you had to get really low in food. That w- those were the preps where food got really low because I hadn't really connected the dots that <laughs> I am an online coach and I just sit there. Yeah. I think I was getting like 3,000 steps a day. And that would count me going to the gym. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I didn't move unless I had to go to the gym. Yeah. Um, versus now, like, you know, on that on, on prep, I would get up to like twelve to 14,000 steps, yep. escalate that up into prep. And now I in the off season, I'll, I'll make sure I don't go below 8,000 a day in just from a, a health standpoint moving, then also I can keep food a lot higher. And uh, it also helped a lot with hunger management on prep. Like with food that low, um, it was much harder to stay, at, not not adherent, but your, your hunger signaling is way higher versus dieting with higher output and just more food. Yeah. You know, and, and, and training's better too, not having yeah. to get that low in food and just not move. Well, plus just like, it's such a low like form of neat in the sense that it's not going to hurt your training. Like it's almost like you're burning calories without even realizing it in a sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's not going to hurt you as the same way of, like you said, doing 
you know, two 40 minute sessions of Stairmaster a day. You do that and you're like, I got to fit a leg training session in between there somewhere. Like, like on some end, both physically and mentally, you're just like getting defeated on that. But like you said, you found out the recipe of, oh, I just need to move in a light way a little bit more and I can eat more and my training's going to stay awesome. Yeah. And you know, if you're, if you're like 220, 230 moving like that, that's perfectly fine. But then, you know, there's going to be clients like bikini clients that they're going to have to push cardio because walking isn't going to cut it. And they're also right. like low energy intake individuals. So, you know, I'm not saying everyone should go just only walk on preps. You might not no. get in shape. Um, uh, there's also like time of the day, time for the day. Like you need to manage like the amount of energy per minute. So not everybody's going to be able to walk around for, you know, two plus hours a day. But if you wear a step counter, you can try to sneak it in how you can. Just I think you just get more mindful of yeah. being active. I think you too. had a good tip one time. I think I saw a couple of years ago um, that I started instituting because I real I came to the same realization about steps because I was a personal trainer on my feet 10 hours a day, switching right to online coaching where I'm sitting on my ass all day. And I'm like, why is this prep so much harder? Oh yeah, I'm burning like half the amount of calories I used to. But yeah, but uh, I think your tip was um, laps around the gym. You know, in between sets, oh, take yeah. a stepper. Wasn't that you? That was me for sure. Yeah, yeah. So so that was a. What, I tell I use that with all my clients now when I do increase their step count. I'm like, look, this is gonna be easy. Just take a lap in between all your warm up sets before you do your main set. Just do a lap around the gym and watch. You're gonna have an extra thousand, fifteen hundred steps just from I like that. the gym. Hmm. Yeah, like you look that. crazy too. No one fucks with yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, that's what I told them. Yeah. I, I say the same thing. I'm like, people wonder if you're weird or something, but you're just you know, stomping around the gym. You're like, this guy's out of his mind. Um, All right. Well, listen, I have one more question and it's an important one, actually. Uh, and this is from Daniel over at Facebook. He says, uh, if you, okay, you have to prep on a desert island, deserted island. All right. As you can tell, this is an important question. Uh, you can have one compound, two machines, and three foods. Oh, wow. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> what do you pick, John? This is, this is the important stuff we're getting to here. One compound movement. I think he means, does he mean one compound one com movement or like one compound, one like com one supplement? Drug. Drug. I think one drug. Oh, okay. is it like that? Okay. Yeah, two machines no, and drug three addicts. foods. You just go to drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So one compound and two machines and three items of food. Apparently, the there's only three items of food on the island. Three uh, food sources. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I would do uh, uh, chicken, oats, and spinach because that's, that's kind of what combo. I prepped on anyway. Before you're kidding me. That and, was uh, the secret. You almost thought I would say rice, but I don't want to be like starving out there. Hopefully, there's a microwave on this island so I can cook. <laughs> My, my oath where I'll do uh, overnight oats with sea water, I guess. Um, as far as uh, compounds go, oh, that would be tough. Um, yeah, geez. I, mean, I can't I only run just testosterone because that's going to be problematic. So <laughs> I think I would just go. Uh, mm. So Does Cialis count? Just take Cialis. Just choose Cialis. <laughs> you're by yourself. I mean, come on. <laughs> Why would you take Cialis by yourself? Well, you're by yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think that answers <laughs> the question. If I'm having to prep, am I having to prep yeah. in this island? Because I'm not going to 
Plus, why would you want to train and be in shape if you're the only fucking person on the island anyway? I'm thinking pizza, beer. I don't even drink pizza, beer, and ice cream. I don't know. No one's there to judge me. If I get fat, I don't give a shit. I got my salad. Yeah. Good. You got your two machines, so you can like yeah, just hang out and bench sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. We squat rack and like I don't know a. Uh... A leg it, press. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And then, no uh, yeah, fuck it. I'm just going to take master on the whole time because master why not? on the whole time. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I don't need estrogen. Like, fuck it. Yeah. It sounds like, well, that was the important stuff. I'm glad we had a chance to get to that. Uh, anything else we should mention, guys? Anything else you guys want to ask John while we got him here? You want, you want to mention uh, the J3 University? That. Well, of course that. I didn't know if you guys had any other last questions or anything, but uh, yeah. I got like I got a bunch. I sit here and talk to John all day, but I know okay. you don't want to keep them all night. True, so. true, true. I, I, I do. I do want to say like an important one that changed for me um, over what I learned, like from when I had started out to the end, is that you that you really don't need to smash estrogen down, um, and it's such a beneficial hormone from neuro, renal, heart penal protective, like you, you, you just name it. it. It has so much protective aspects, even around the lipid profile and that it's really not the main source of like water retention within the prep. I think a lot of it's driven through aldosterone. So I know we've demonized estrogen and I've done preps where, like I said, I, I've been on all these aromatase inhibitors with high testosterone. It's like, well, why can't we just lower testosterone, make up the anabolic milligrams through another compound that doesn't aromatize and not take all the aromatase inhibitors. I think that was one of the big learning points that I did even throughout this entire prep is that I, I never used any type of estrogen modulator. It was purely through stack design. And I do think that there is a, a, a slightly less risk approach to that because we even see like long-term use in breast cancer patients using Nasrazole. It's, it's a cardiotoxic compound. Um, and so that, that was like one of the big... I guess learning points. And then even with Trimbalone dosing, like I was doing a middleweights in 2015 for nationals, taking 600 milligrams of Trimbalone per week. Yeah. And now I'm 212 at the Olympia taking 140 milligrams. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think this is a very, it's overstated how much you really need to, to use to get the effect. I think those it's just Trimbalone's like this mag magical compound that you just hear the allure of it, right? Of course. Um, but but it, it it really shines in like a calorie deficit. I don't see it having any place in the in off-season setting, but it shines for really muscle retention and it really takes low dosages to accomplish that. Then the rest of your stack I believe should be made up through non-aromatizing compounds. Were you and doing so your trend at uh, like say 20 mg at 20 mg a day? Were you, were you uh, breaking it up? Yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. uh, doing it daily. I think that's important to, uh, to mention as well. And I know we all talked about it on some previous episodes about, you know, mitigating side effects and getting more per milligram by using lower doses, but just taking them in a, in a, in a daily dose versus like a twice a week or an every other day even type approach. Yeah, I think just the more stable you can get your levels, you'll even see, even with the other compounds, like with testosterone, like um, more stable aromatization. If you're really prone to estrogen, not having a spikes in testosterone, but as many spikes in estradiol as well. Same with erythropoiesis and increases like in red blood cells too. So um, the more stable you can make those levels, I think you could 
lower some of the side effects that go around those compounds too. Cool. All right. Well, yeah, as, as you were saying, Andrew, um, tell us all about everything you're doing with, with the J three university stuff, because man, I've even seen you, I'll go to Facebook marketplace and I'm like, that's John Jewett's legs. And I've seen advertisements for you. And I think it's pretty cool. Uh, just how, and I'll even say, man, like just in the last few years, it's been really cool to see your transition to, to business and to see how much you've developed and how, just how much more outspoken that you've been. Like I'll say probably last five years now, I've seen that evolution. And I think that that's really cool, man. Uh, and it, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of people, respected people, people who are, you know, big names in the coaching industry that are paying attention to the, the stuff that you're sharing. So yeah, tell us a little bit more about it, please. That that's huge um, for you to say. Thank, thank you. And when I was, uh, you know, first coming up, you don't, the internet wasn't quite there for like bodybuilding, sharing their information, you know? And so information just wasn't pertinent. You didn't have anyone that was putting out information that you really needed. Like what are people really doing gear wise? And it was always this hush hush thing. And even when I started as a pro, like I was told to not put out that to protect yourself because of, you know, sponsors and also, you know, judgment critiques, maybe that affects what you're going to do at, at shows. But I feel like there's been an increase in transparency and it just doesn't really matter as much anymore. So, but through this process of like going through coaching and having just failures occur along the way uh, and not, and trying to understand why just to be better. That was my thing is like, Hey, I just want to get better. How do I do that? And how do things work? Why do they work to make sure I was investing time in the right the right aspects. And so that's just started what kept building my knowledge along the way. So I initially had the idea of like, I had all these clients and they would ask me these questions and I wanted to teach them all so they can get better. It's like, man, I'm going to make this site and I'll have all my videos there to where like they can just go there and I don't have to keep repeating myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, if, if you've ever built a website, it's very challenging to get the right builder for it. Hmm. So it took a long time to find the right, right person to do it. And I came across Mark Fox. He, designed uh, trained by jp and mm. hypertrophy coach um so he, he does an excellent job but then it was the idea of like hey i i told him all this he's like man you should have like a bodybuilding curriculum and i was like oh well hmm. yeah i guess that would be interesting there wasn't really something quite like that especially in the enhanced sector that could really put all the pieces together and so i was like well okay this is what we'll do so i, I laid out uh a whole curriculum from going from assessing yourself coming off stage like how would you break apart your physique and looking at each body part off your judges feedback taking that and designing what do you need to do next like building out your off season how would that lead into your contest prep and then before we get there we're going to need to know how to manage sleep stress how to how to manage nutrition um, how to understand compound selection for peds when to deploy them and understand that entire rationale that for doing this also, how do we monitor our health for long-term? Then I, I put that all into plan of, of, of over contest prep and off season and the decision process that occurs throughout that. So I take these people and try to teach them along the way, like the, the basics of each variable you're going to manipulate, then put that all into the season pre-contest post show into off season. 
And so it's uh, come a, a full way of, of, of me just wanting to educate my clients into this curriculum. And I thought, man, this maybe I'm going to get some beginners, you know, that that want this information. And I've had top level pros, like pros yeah. that do way better than me that have signed up for this thing. And, and I'll get a message. I didn't even know they were in it. They'll message me like, John, this like really impacted and challenged my thought process and a lot of things. And I'm a better competitor now for it. That's cool. You know, even, even when I was at the Olympia, uh, at the uh, meet and greet, you know, people come up and they're like, want to see your physique, right? Well, no one really wanted to see my physique, but <laughs> everyone that came up was, was all about J3U. It, it, would, it gave me goosebumps, man. It was such a, a higher level of the satisfaction of self-development mm-hmm. for me, but being able to see how these people were just lit up in their faces and so excited that they've like unlocked this new new door for themselves and their clients. And they're telling me about how they've improved people and peaking them on stage. And it was just, it was tremendous. And so it's uh, turned into something that I never thought it would, it would really be. And now I just speak openly from an, from an education point of view. And that's where I, I really shine. Like I like coaching people, but if I can just educate people and they can empower themselves to understand how to make the changes or for them clients, like that's where my passion really lies. Hell yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool, man. So we'll have links to all that stuff, uh, you know, down in the description, anybody who wants to check it out. And, uh, man, number one, I, I gotta say, thank you very much for taking the time to hang out with us and, and thank you, Andrew and skip for hanging out with me to do this interview. This has been uh, pretty fun. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all for having me on. Like y'all have developed such a huge platform to educate the whole bodybuilding sector, physique sector, not just bodybuilding, which um, has come a long way. Like there used to just be a couple of podcasts out there, but y'all are doing something tremendous and just uniting and forming people as well. So um, again, I commend all of y'all and thanks for just having me on and chatting. Too. Hell yeah, man. We'd love to have yeah, you back have in the you. future and uh, you know, we'll get some good feedback from this. I'm sure uh, guys check out John Jewett and skip Andrew. Appreciate you guys being uh, here with me to hang out. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast here at think big bodybuilding media. If we've provided value to you today, then please consider contributing to our show. You can help support the show through Patreon. Every $5 helps to pay for the software and the hardware and everything else that goes into making a podcast. You can also contribute by using our code at True Nutrition. True Nutrition has been our title sponsor for several years now. I'm super grateful for them. And I've believed in True Nutrition supplements long before they sponsored our programming. You could use our code THINK for health supplements and performance supplements. Feel free to hit me up if you have any questions. And if you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have free shipping over $99, huge discounts on overstock, short dated, and label change products. Plus, they have all your normal supplements too. Thank you guys for listening to the commercial. I hope you're having a great day and that your bodybuilding is going well. Let's get back to the shelf. 